Back to Happy, A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up is a small but powerful book about healing from one of life's greatest tragedies, the loss of a child. It's about love and sadness and being human. The nine lessons in Back to Happy are intended to be food for a broken but awakening soul. Healing from grief and loss is possible. Finding joy again is possible. Back to Happy, in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook at Amazon.com. For more information, visit backtohappybook.com. talking to Roger Leidig, and he's the author of Finding Purpose and Joy. It's a journey. Don't you love that title? It is so juicy. He's a personal mentor, and he has a great journey to talk about. Roger, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about this amazing subject. I just love this subject. Well, Connie, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the invitation. Yeah, I love the title of your book, Finding Purpose and Joy. I talk about that a lot on my podcast. You know, we talk about uh, Joseph Campbell's writings, and he coined the term following your bliss. And I just love talking about this. So thank you. Why don't you talk a little bit about your journey? Because you came from the corporate world and uh, became a mentor and, and an author. And how did you come to embrace this subject of finding your purpose and joy? Well, I, I just will give you a brief oversight of, of uh, my life, I guess. I was raised in a Christian home and went to uh, college at Purdue University and found out that there's a whole lot more in the world than what I learned on a farm. And there's a whole lot more at, in college to learn that, than you find in the books. Isn't that and true? I kind of I straight off path when I graduated and was testing out the world, I guess you might say. But I had a real hole in my heart. I, I, I just knew that isn't, that's not the kind of life I wanted to live. But I had no idea how to get out of it. Um, it's a tough age, the college age, and, and the years after that, trying to sort out who you are and what you want to be. The first half of our life, I think, is spent a lot of times just kind of trying to build our box, to, you know, get a good job and have people uh, think that we're doing well and get a nice house and um, a nice marriage if that's if the person is so inclined and uh, a nice car and things like that. And so you're always building and probably getting in debt doing it, but just to try to get ahead. And then we have kids and life is so busy that it's a rat race. And uh, there's really hard, it's hard to have enough time to get things done that we wanna do. Well, on my journey, when I met my wife, Susan at 25, we got married when I was 25 years old and uh, neither of us really had a spiritual journey, but through a miraculous situation, she had an incurable kidney disease, but was healed. And that drew us both to devoting our lives to, to Christ, to live for Christ. So I thought, well, life is gonna be a bowl of cherries now. And you know what I found out? It doesn't really work that way necessarily. We're still human beings. <laughs> <laughs> 
And strangely enough, our marriage started growing apart and I didn't know why. We were never gonna get divorced because we didn't believe in that. But I saw my wife be getting more unhappy all the time and I, I felt helpless. I, I had no clue what to do about it. And when there's a conflict, you always tend to blame the other person, it seems like. And I came to the, I didn't really do that, but I didn't know what else to do because I thought I was doing things right. I, pretty hard-headed and I'm pretty confident and so I, I thought I was doing everything right but I come to learn that there's a lot to learn and uh, I was really humbled uh, Connie and brought to my knees just to beg God to show me where I fit into this equation because we weren't experiencing purpose and joy I thought I had purpose through my work and was had a nice career going and uh, but there was something really missing in our relationship. And so uh, it kind of started there. I went to a counselor. I went to a couple different counselors. The first one didn't give me such good advice, but the second one listened to my story. And then he wanted to listen to Susan's story. And what I came to find out was that I wasn't valuing her. And I didn't realize that because men don't really understand women. That may come as a surprise to you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before, Roger. <laughs> but I, I just didn't get it. I, and it wasn't intentional, but I just didn't get it. So the, the counselor suggested that I learn to uh, paraphrase Susan. When Susan would say something, my job was to say it back to her in my own words, and then she could correct me and say, yes, that's what I'm thinking, or no, that's not what I was thinking. And that at least started us on a, on a path of communicating. And, uh, but the trust had been broken, and the, the, there was a wall between us that was quite high. And as you know, uh, trust is so easy to break, but takes so long to restore. And uh, for me, I really had to have faith that this is where we will, my picture of our 40th anniversary would be one where our family was, where our family was together, our kids would be there and grandkids. And the path that we were on was nowhere, it wasn't gonna end that way. So that was a driving force for me of just continuing focusing on where we wanted to be down the road. Then I had a heart attack in 1999, and uh, the heart attack was, it sounds funny, but it was the best thing that happened to me. God was gracious enough to just tap me on the shoulder rather than knock me on the head. And that doesn't always happen for people, but I was given a second chance. And uh, that's really when I started thinking about, you know, there's gotta be more to life than uh, material wealth, or doing well to impress other people. There just gotta be more. And it put me on this journey, I guess, of the second half of my life, really asking, why am I here? What am I, what's my purpose? Mm -hmm. And uh, in doing that, I, I, after the heart attack, the doctor told me, I asked him, what can I do to have a, a reasonably good life from here on? And he said, well, there's three things. 
learn to eat right, exercise, and learn to manage stress. Well, the first two are easy if you want to do it. You, you can learn to eat right and do it if you want to. You can exercise if you want to. But learning to manage stress was a whole nother ball game for me. And uh, that's really what led me to a lot of reading of scriptures, of uh, secular books. And uh, then God started unfolding steps to me of things that I needed to, to do. That I think the steps are really common to all human beings. The first one was have a clear vision of where I wanted to go, who I wanted to be. Not what I wanted to be, but what kind of character? What kind of husband? How would I want people to remember me at the end of the day? It sounds a little morbid, but what, I, what would I hope that people would say about me when they eulogize me? And I wrote it down, and I encouraged my family to come together that we as a family would do the same thing, write a mission statement. And that started galvanizing us that we were on a path together. Then the next step is realizing that we have, God gave us the ability to, to make choices. And uh, every day we make a lot of choices and our choices will either take us more closely to who we want to become or take us farther away. And if we can understand that and embrace that, then we can take responsibility. We don't have to blame other people. We take personal responsibility for our choices. And whenever we have a situation, we're not, we don't feel hamstrung. You know, there are certain things we have no control over, and that's where faith comes in. We just have to have faith that God, when he says, I have a plan for you, that he really does. So that that's kind of a summary of my journey to this point. And of course, the other, the additional eight steps then come after that. Wow. Yeah. And that is so common, I think, Roger. I think so many of us come to this realization that there's so much more to life after we've gone through um, different trials and tribulations, the dark night of the soul. When you went through your heart attack and your relationship trials, I mean, that was really the catalyst for your your awakening and your, your um, entry into teaching others about the things that you've learned about life and purpose. And, and that's how so many of us come to that. And and I wrote about in my book, thank you so much for, for before the podcast, you mentioned that you listened to the audio book. So thank you for that. Yes. Um, I'd like to talk about, because I think, and you mentioned this, um, how, how difficult the 20s and the college years are. I'd like to start talking about some different areas of our life and how, because you and I found these ideas and came to these realizations a little bit later in life. And wouldn't it be great if we could grasp some of these concepts earlier on? And, and you know, my kids in their 20s, I, I think they're kind of challenged with finding their place in the world. And what have, what have you learned about through working with some mentees um, in their 20s? What have you learned about the 20s that, you know, what would you say to somebody in their 20s about um, finding their passion and joy? Well, it's interesting. I, I really thought that I wanted to spend a lot of time with people in the 20s, and I still enjoy that when it happens. But I think there is a real truth that people aren't willing, uh, they don't learn or don't want to learn until they have a reason to. Mm -hmm. 
and I was talking to my son, my youngest son, oh, a month or so ago, and he said, you know what? There's a certain part of us people, our egos, whatever, we got to do it ourselves and we got to get our own nose bloody before we're ready to learn. Yeah. And uh, I want to, I want to help prevent those kind of things so that they don't have to do that. But to some degree, I think for a young person, um, if they're willing, if many times they have had to experience a relationship challenge or a job loss or something that caused them to, to, to have a real loss in their life for them to say, you know what, I, I want to learn another way. Yeah. Um, then they're open, but they've got to invite it in. As a parent, you probably know that when we try to force things on our children, that doesn't go very well. Forget it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. But how about how about if um, someone uh, someone is in their twenties, they may be in college, and I mean something as simple as as finding a major in college can be overwhelming. Yes. How would you suggest someone go about? figuring out i mean sometimes a major doesn't really it's not all that important in this grand scheme of life first of all yeah. but i mean choosing that major is important at that point and and it should be something that we're passionate about or or something that we find joy in exploring well the first thing for me was with we just have two boys that are now in their upper upper 30s mm-hmm. actually they're now 38 and 40 but uh when they're with that age one thing I, I learned was not to try to put them into a, a a path that I went down, but to help them find their own path. Um, talk about the things that bring them joy and kind of evaluate what things turn them on. And for our youngest son, it was pretty easy. He was a people person, so he went into leadership, organizational leadership, and it fit him perfectly. Our other son didn't know that. And uh, he actually ended up taking a year of college off because he just wasn't finding um, what he wanted. And we blessed that. We said, that's that's a good thing. Take a little time, work, and realize that you don't want to do that the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. He he actually worked on a pig farm for a year. A pig farm. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, it's really important to figure out what you don't want to do. That's part of weeding weeding things out, right? <laughs> well, that's a big part of it. It's finding out what doesn't fit. Pigs are so it's... cute, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. I just watched this video on YouTube of this mama pig who had, she had like, <laughs> 12 babies or something oh my yeah, gosh they were the cutest things i'm like i can't even imagine nursing 12 babies that's got to be yeah. exhausting <laughs> yeah 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 well they have a different purpose in life than we do yes they do they do <laughs> so anyway i think it's okay to take a little bit of time and it's probably best not to try to force a major but to you know, if you don't know, maybe it's just a, a little bit of trial and error of what fits and what doesn't fit. But the most important thing is, I think, at least from my perspective, is to find things that tickle your interest. Because when your interest is tickled, you're more likely to learn and want to learn. Mm. And uh, for some, it'll come easy. For others, it may take a little bit of time. And sometimes that's the journey 
of maybe trying a major and it might involve sh- um, switching a major to sort through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the worst thing to do would be to try to force a solution onto it. Yeah. What do you What do you think the best way is? Well, I think what you're saying is really valid. I think try trial and error, and and then the other thing I think is no matter what you major in, if you major in business and then you get out of school, and you your first job is in the corporate world and it just doesn't feel right, try something else. Go into the arts. Yes. You know, try a nonprofit. I mean, try on some different things because everything is not etched in stone and life takes some twists and turns. And I, I think you just have to try, try different things. That's a, a good point. In fact, in our, I uh, ended up working for a family company and had a 30 year career there. But we, we really, when we hired young people, we would, we preferred them to have worked two other jobs before they came with us to learn what didn't fit. Because by the third job, they pretty much knew who they were and, and what would fit. So I very much am in, a, uh, in agreement of a little bit of trial and error, what fits, what doesn't fit. And it's okay to make a change. Now, you can't do that all your life or maybe you shouldn't do that all your life. But, you know, three jobs or so, is that's probably a good thing. Right, right. Yeah, you don't want to job hop. <laughs> you right. want to give yeah. it give it enough time to really really check it out. Let's talk yeah. about maybe moving on in life to uh, a place where you know maybe like where your kids are, where they have a family or um, they're in a relationship, and relationships are our best teachers. I've come to learn. So, yes. what are some of your your suggestions for finding purpose as a family and finding joy and keeping that? juiciness in life because as you say in your book it's a journey it's a journey it's a journey well if i were if i were talking to a young couple that was beginning to get get serious they're probably at a at a place in their relationship where they they want to please each other or they probably wouldn't be in that relationship and so that would be a good time to sit down together and maybe talk about what they hope their relationship will look like down the road. What kind of relationship do they want to have? It'll help them sort out if they're really right for each other, mm-hmm. number one. And if they are, if they can get a clear picture of how they want their marriage to look 10 years at their 10-year anniversary or 20-year anniversary, if they can agree on that, that's a great time to get that in place so that they can realize their choices will either take them closer to, to achieving that or farther away. It might even help them realize, you know, scheduling a date night once a week is the most important thing that should be on our calendar, not the least important thing. And when you start seeing where you want to go, make choices and put priority on those kind of choices, both parties of the relationship feel like they are understood and they're together in this thing. Yeah. Does that make make sense to you? I love that. And when you talk about creating a vision, you know, sometimes I don't give my husband enough credit for being uh, romantic or or having those kinds of ideas. But uh, it's just when you said that, I, I was reminded of my husband when we were first married. He said one of his goals was to be able to still walk down the street holding hands when we're in our 
later years in, yes, in our 80s yeah. and and so i have this vision of us as old decrepit <laughs> human beings <laughs> still holding hands and i think that's so sweet and so romantic so i have to remind him that he he gave me that vision early on because i probably he's kind of a jock so i don't i don't think of him as a romantic a lot of times but he really is so so yeah creating that vision have you worked with any clients that that where that has really worked for them can you give us any examples or or even from your own life of how that has specifically helped well it for the most part the people that have come to me are people that have have it are in the middle of, of challenges right and uh i've seen it um a couple that was in their 30s were on the on the edge of divorce and the fellow came to me and he he was similar to me. He had no clue what to do about it. And I was teaching a class at church called uh, The DNA of Relationships. It's based on a book by Gary Smalley. Mm -hmm. And he really connected with the things that I was teaching out of that book. And we formed a relationship and started a meeting once a week. And actually, it was kind of through that and other situations like this it was part of my um, developing the steps of finding purpose and joy. He then started, it, it started with him thinking through what he wanted his family to look like because he and his wife were having trouble uh, relating to one another. They had a couple kids that were young. And uh, instead of starting with he and his wife together, he, he I, I felt for him, as it was for me, we needed to get our own act together first. Mm. And so, but he did that. He was very uh, committed to the process and he did that. And then he began talking to his wife. Now she saw a little, she comes from a little different perspective on that, but she started buying in to his commitment and she started reaffirming him. And over a, a two or three year period, they went from being, virtually divorced to uh she's saying to him yeah god gave me such a gift when he gave me you Aww. and to see that happen that in itself helped me realize that part of my purpose and what would bring me joy would be to help others do the same thing so that that's one example i could give you some others but isn't that what life's all about though we just learn from each other though you yes. know when we reach out and help others you know i'm a big proponent of eating well and exercising to prevent problems from happening physically and wouldn't it be great if in our relationships we could do the same thing and sort of be proactive and prevent these things and maybe see the symptoms of issues that may be down the road and cut them off at the pass by by going to a mentor like you or, or seeing a counselor. Wouldn't that be great, Roger, if we could do that? that that's that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That That is my hope. Uh, I do devote part of the book to time management. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the four square time management where the one quadrant is an area of crisis where we think things are urgent and important they really aren't but we think they are right and right. so we firefight them and and we can be consumed in putting out fires then the uh, there's a quadrant that is on the upper right hand side of the of a four square that is the the quadrant of prevention 
And that's where we are proactive, where we are doing things that maybe aren't urgent, but they're extremely important. Like maybe have, setting aside a time for a date night, or if it's a relationship thing, maybe it's holding hands mm-hmm. um, or different things like that, that they're not urgent, but boy, are they important. And if we do those those things that are not urgent, but important while we have time and we're not under stress, then we can prevent those crisis situations. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about time management after this yeah. segment, because I want to get to the part yep. that, that, is probably really juicy for you because at the time of that we come into maybe our second career or where we've we've completed our 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 raising our family and we're really looking for that that second jolt of excitement in life um i i'm trying to avoid the word retired can you tell (laughs) i don't like that word i just don't like the word the word tired replace it with refired refired that's perfect perfect so when we're looking to be refired in life and i'm sure you've had many mentees that come to you looking for their their second purpose um let's talk about that a little bit maybe you can give us some examples of how people found their purpose in the second half of life well because of my passion now i meet with three men's groups and uh most of the men are in that range of uh, 50 or so. Their kids are getting pretty well raised and maybe they're out of the home or close to being it. And, and they're asking that same question. Mm-hmm. What am I here for? Um, is there more? And by having those dialogues, we, we create a, an environment of, of high trust where um, we can really be open about the things that are challenges to us and the things that we would prefer to be different. And it causes us to start thinking about the question, why are we here? I think when a person gets past that stage, the kids are now out of the house. Number one, you have some time that you didn't have before. And you can start thinking, dedicating some time to doing those activities that start putting you on a path to find the deeper you. And how do so, you facilitate the answering of that question with with the, the men's groups or the people that come to you? Why am I here? How do we facilitate that? Well, I try not to ever answer because I don't know what they why they are here. Yeah. I just like to ask questions. Yeah. Uh, and just ask them, what do you enjoy? What, what, uh, what kind of things do you do that... Uh, you really they kind of trip your trigger and in your relationship is it going where you want to go if it would be a perfect picture for you what would that look like everybody has their own journey and my job is to ask questions that maybe will tickle their thinking for them to to dig out their own answers Uh, i think the answers are within themselves and my job is to help them dig it out yeah, absolutely. And I'm a big proponent of body, mind, and spirit. And I think, you know, I mean, that's part of the philosophy behind Happy Healthy You is we need to be balanced in body, mind, and spirit. That means we need a, 
a healthy diet, obviously, and it becomes more important as we as we age. A healthy diet, an exercise program, uh, a clear mind uh, that's free of negativity, and then a spiritual belief system or a spiritual practice or something that connects us to something that's larger than ourselves. How does that come into play for you with with your mentees and your groups? Spiritually, you mentioned your Christian background. Talk about oh. spirituality and the importance of that a little bit. Well, I, I think we're all spiritual beings, whether we think we are or not. Now, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about the higher power and the spirit within us. Most of the fellows that we've attracted one to another are embrace Christianity, at least to some degree. Although I'm perfectly happy talking to someone that doesn't because I, they have a purpose too. They were created by God and they have a purpose too. So the picture I try to paint is of, you remember on the stage, the old stage coaches, the wheel on a stage coach has spokes. Mm -hmm. And you picture their spokes. Maybe one of those spokes is your spiritual spoke. Another is your financial or your work spoke. And another is your health spoke. And another is your emotional spoke. I break. I have people think about what five or six or whatever different areas are really important for you in your life. And then we think about is one of our spokes longer than the other? Because when the spokes are different lengths, you know, when a wheel's out of balance, it goes thump thump, thump. And so it causes us to think about, well, maybe I'm a little out of balance there. And maybe I'm spending too much time at work. And I'm not spending enough time with my spiritual development. Maybe I ought to shift some of my time or maybe it is taking away from my family. And I ought to shift some of my time. The idea is if we can get our spokes balanced, um, with our health and and all that, the wheel runs smoothly down the road. Mm, yeah. But when they're out of balance, it goes our life. Then we have the highs and lows and the crisis. And, you know, we think things are either great or they're terrible. The hope is to get it to realize that generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, things are not as good as they seem or as bad as they seem. Now, obviously, there are exceptions to that rule, but General, most life issues aren't as good as they seem or as bad as they seem. I love that metaphor, the spokes on the wheel. I'm going to use that. Can we talk a little bit, in your book, you talk about time management and the importance of it, and God knows I need that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us some hints for time management? You you touched on it a little bit, but if you could just briefly talk a little bit about time management and how that can help us with our purpose and joyful lives, purposeful and joyful lives. Yeah. Well, I think it starts in my mind with having that clear vision of where you want to go, who you want to be, and then realize we have choices of how we use our time. And in the book, I really kind of talk about this in the four quadrants that Stephen Covey incorporated in his book, Seven Habits, uh, Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm, yes. Uh, that uh, if we can spend our time realizing how important it is to do preventative or proactive type of things, how it can help us so much preventing crisis from happening in our life. And we 
by doing that, we evaluate a lot of times that we waste. We do things that we think are important, but they really are. At the end of the day, when we look at where we want to go, they're not really important at all. And if we can shift our time that we are spending on that and put it toward preventive type of things, then we'll prevent the crisis from happening. But it starts with a clearer picture of where you want to go. If you don't want, if you don't know where you're going, you just use your time, however, whatever feels good. But it may not be effective use of your time. It's really about prioritizing. It's and- about prioritizing and then making the choices, developing enough discipline to make to make the choices to take responsibility for your life. Yeah, and then maybe we cross some things off our list that are really not as important as we thought. Yeah, it all, yeah. all comes back to that awareness. So if yeah. somebody is interested in being mentored by you or reading your book, Finding Purpose and Joy, it's a journey. <laughs> Love that title. <laughs> it is a journey. How can they find out more about you? Well, everything about the book, how to buy it, and about my me and my contact information, my mentoring programs is on the website, www.com findingpurposeandjoy.com. Again, that's www.findingpurposeandjoy.com. And I might say that right now I'm running a special on the ebook for 99 cents. Oh. If anyone is well, a, an e-reader. Well, if we can find purpose and joy for 99 cents, we should definitely invest that money. You <laughs> can't, can't go wrong. It's also on amazon.com. It I is. Think, right it now. is. Yeah. And that link will be is on my site there. Awesome. Thank you, Roger. I I feel inspired to go out and look for that light. Look for the light. Thank you for being such a light on the planet. Well, thank thank you for hosting this and and for sharing the uh your light with so many people. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love it. All right. Well, you go out and have a wonderful day there in Indiana and I hope the sunshine very soon. Yeah.